you are going to a startup or you're going to work for a founder, you're almost assessing that founder like an investor is. Totally. Because you're like, is this founder going to take us all the way? Yes. An investor is going, is this founder going to take us all the way? So I don't want to tether my ship to somebody who I think Mm -hmm. isn't got the goods to take it all the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think charisma is a big one. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, that can be negative as well. Totally. Totally. We see it with WeWork. We see it with all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Very charismatic leaders have been able to sell people on the mission only to fail mm-hmm. them because it was self-centric or narcissistic or whatever. Hey, welcome to the Hype Podcast. Hype Pod, like we like to call it. If uh, this is your first episode, welcome. And for those of you who have been following us since the beginning, thank you so much. We are so glad that you're here with us. So we talked in this episode about luxury technology and whether Apple is helping to forge this category forward. Apple just released the exciting news about Vision Pro at their annual Worldwide Developers Conference right here in Apple Park, here in Silicon Valley. And this gave us a great backdrop to a thought-provoking conversation. We talked about visionaries, whether the role of a founder is essential to the long-term success of the company. As you all know, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were the founders of Apple, not Tim Cook, who is the current CEO. With Apple as the topic, we talked about the innovative progress of a company and whether it's contingent on the clout or the stamina of the founder. We also challenged some myths that the founder is required to be a visionary or the pioneer. And we broke down those terms to see, are they actually synonymous? So for those of you who are running your own organization, whether it's ministry or a company, maybe you're a leader carrying the vision that your CEO or your lead pastor has set forth. And maybe you're in the process of building a team and you are assembling talent. I think this episode is going to be really great for you. It's going to give you a lot of great insight to apply right away. Each episode of The Hype Pod is a conversation about innovation, technology, and other market trends from the faith-filled Silicon Valley perspective. Our hope is that it fuels your innovative ideas, that you gain a little bit more confidence to dream bigger and think bigger and play bigger. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe. And we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at hypenetwork.org if you've got ideas, questions, or stories, um, send them through. We'd love to bring it into a future episode. Okay, enough from me. Enjoy. Are we ready? Let's do it. Episode 11? Is it? 11, right? Come on. Because the last I one I never was, know. I think. Okay, well, I think What, what if we just say it's like episode 100? Yeah. Episode 111. That way I can cut out 100. Yeah, we've archived them. You guys did great on that last episode. Oh, thank you. It's getting great. You know, numbers and everything. Excellent. It was really awesome. That's what I'm here for. Pastorpreneur. That was and fun. Yeah, it was that really That was fun. a good one. I like that. Thank you for not following any of my prompts. I don't think <laughs> we you answered send prompts? one of your questions. I didn't see any prompts. I sent prompts to it both of you. went to my you. spam. And then, <laughs> and then I sent it to Danielle and I was like, let's just see. See, it's like a sweater. What did you call it? Danielle's like, it's like a sweater in case they need it. Katrina, you don't want to know how many unread <laughs> emails of yours I have in my inbox. <laughs> it's so nice. Yes. I'm aware I'm aware. That's why I know when to text and yes, Instagram. Exactly right. exactly right. Okay, there's a lot going on, right? Yes. Um, um, Apple just had their big conference. Let's go. Right? WWD. So very, such a long very impressive. Vision Pro. Um, I'm really excited about Name Drop. Did you see Name Drop? Name Drop yes. is a... The contact. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm so amped about this I didn't one. see that. What is it? Yeah. It's pretty much what we've been trying to solve at Hype Network. Yes, exactly. every time we get together at a Hype session, mm. you know, we've looked at Dot, we've looked at all these extra oh, devices. Oh, sharing contacts. Yeah. Correct, where mm-hmm. people can quickly sync. And I guess AirDrop was meant to be the solution on Apple's side. Right. You could just AirDrop. Share your contact card. But right. we all know how complicated AirDrop has become these days. You know, yeah. you have to tell people, like, you know, share with everyone. But I'm in your contacts. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it just ends up not working. Right. And then it's in your contact somewhere. Yeah. That big quagmire of contacts oh. from 10 decades Useless. ago. Useless. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this has a marking moment, like a cataloging feature. What do they say it does? I just saw put bringing two phones together. You and can basic. I mean, it's basically airdropping your contact to each other instead of having to go into your contacts, type it in, save the name. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. So basically, you just put your phones together, and your it's contact like, card will be sent. It's like bump. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Bump. Yeah. Well, you know, I think probably already exists if I were on their product team, but the way that Apple does context on photos now very helpful. Very, very. So helpful. that bump, uh, that name drop yep. moment, if yep. it can say, hey, it was in Mountain View at this event, you know, yes. exact context. That's what we you need. You can actually search photos uh, on Apple Photos by context now. You by can location. Just, yeah, by location, yep. by, yeah, yeah, those things. And um, even by like sometimes name and things like that, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Man, I'm Apple excited. undefeated. Yeah. They're the masters of design. <laughs> but let's talk ProVision. Okay. Yeah. Because um, Vision think, Pro or ProVision? I don't know what it is. Vision is, Pro. Is Vision, Vision Pro? Vision Pro. Vision Pro, yeah. The competitor to Oculus. I mean, I don't even think it's a competitor right now. It's a leader. It's a leader. <laughs> it is a dominant force. I mean, the fact that you can see eyes, the fact that... Mm, uh, eyesight technology. Yeah, like, there, there's so many features that I was blown away. I was speechless as I'm watching the keynote. Incredible. Um, and I think I was speechless because, let's be real... Uh, Every time Zuck comes out with something, you're kind of like, oh, okay, we'll see if that actually happens. Because it's avatar-y. It's avatar it's cartoony. Yeah. Yes. You don't have arms. Right. You just have hands. But Apple delivers. <laughs> Apple delivers. When they say they're going to deliver something, they deliver. They're consistent. Yeah. I love it. It's a trusted brand. It's a trusted product. That's why they can put a keynote out, be pretty yeah. nonchalant about it in the presentation. It's mm. not overhyped. And they're just saying, hey, and this is going to be $3,500. Now, I don't know what your reaction was. I thought that was cheap. <laughs> I oh. thought it was for price point. Yeah. I I thought this is like this is like a full computer extension mm. that you wear. Mm. So for thirty five hundred bucks, mm. I thought that was epic. But I've been seeing a lot of chatter yeah. uh, on comments and online about how expensive that is. It's obnoxious sure. to charge that much. What are your thoughts? I don't know if I would say it's obnoxious. It's definitely expensive, right? I, I don't think that most people can afford that, uh, unfortunately. Is it priced appropriately for what they're trying to do? Wait, wait, wait. You don't think most people can afford that? 3500 I mean, if you're in the Silicon Valley, probably. Um, no, no, but I've, I've gone all... I mean, I'll go places. I mean, you think about stimulus checks that were given out. Yeah. That didn't go to food. Mm-hmm. That went to Gucci's. And NFTs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so people, people find money for what they want. Sure, sure. Well, I think the, the, the better question is, uh, is it worth it? And I think if that's uh, what we're evaluating, thirty five hundred for that immersive experience, right? Thirty five hundred for yeah. that. I would call it luxury software, yep. luxury technology. Um, Do you think that's a new category? I think it's a category that's newer, but rising really quickly. I I, I literally pay for an email client called Superhuman. Yes. Right. I pay a dollar a day. Yeah. That's 
considered luxury software, right? Because you can get Gmail for free. Mm-hmm. But there's functions on there that give me superpowers when it comes to hmm. email management and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about this, like even we were talking about earlier when you're traveling, right? Yeah. Uh, immersive experience. Yes. It would make travels just so much better. You don't oh. even have to be first class. Like it it's is. And, and that's actually a good point, right? Like, you know, it costs so much money <coughs> to uh, fly first class. So much. Um, you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars for one trip, yep. one leg of a trip. Yep. You making an investment into the Vision Pro, every travel from there on feels first class. Yes. Like you have an immersive cinematic experience in front of you. Yes. And yeah. it's just phenomenal. But if it stays in the luxury category, then is it going to really make a really big dent yeah, in the because, way we do things? Because Tesla, right? So Tesla yeah. started with the Roadster. So I, I do think that you have to start with, and not all the time, but the strategy they're taking is, you know, you, you come out with the Roadster, eventually mm-hmm. there's going to be the S, and then eventually there's going to be the 3, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's the X, and then eventually there's the Y. And so it becomes more and more accessible over time. But if you want to be Apple and keep your standard of quality, you can't dilute the brand by trying to make it economic at first. But you think about it, why do you buy the iPhone and not an Android? Oh, quality. Quality. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, every single device is Apple. Like, and I just need everything to talk to each other. But it's interesting. (laughs) You go to Europe, you spend your time in Europe, most people are using Android. I mean, Android still, there are more Androids globally than iPhone. iPhone is really an American-centric phenomena in in terms of its dominance. Um, But it has more market cap than uh, Google does, right? So Apple as a company, even though you know, uh, Google might be selling more Android devices and phones. Apple as a company's valuation is much larger because it demands a higher price point. Demands a higher price point. And I think what we're seeing in our in our modern era where I think we have got a lot of uh, economic equality that is happening across mm-hmm. the globe. I don't think the disparity in, I guess, in the Western world is as vast as it used to be. So where you're seeing people, and maybe maybe that's a weird statement, but what I'm what I am seeing is a rise of luxury, luxury goods, luxury travel, uh, luxury oh, yeah. experiences. Uh, this is now luxury tech mm-hmm. that people will would be willing to forego something to have that. Yeah, I even think when we're talking about millennials, definitely Gen Z, are they willing to forego the idea of a mortgage to have a Pro, Vision Pro? It certainly seems so. For right. sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they are already. Right. With shoes. <laughs> with shoes, for People sure. buy cars before they're buying their homes, you know, and their luxury cars before they're... I mean, I think that's all over the Bay Area. Right. Yeah, so for sure. So I don't... I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be going out on a limb here, but obviously this is first generation of Vision Pro, but um, I feel like what we are going to see is we are potentially going to see a, tons of these. If... Totally. We start seeing the most populous of this operate in uh, public... Mm. on planes you know you start seeing people wearing them on flights for and sure like man they're having a good mm. time they're literally in a desert right now or in a rainforest watching a movie <laughs> i'm sitting next to you know somebody that i don't like and uh and i want i want that experience next time i fly so the only weird thing for me was that battery that hangs off it yeah you pointed that out i didn't know that i didn't even notice that, that. was required yeah. Well, of course, you probably didn't notice it because you're not going to yeah. highlight that on yeah. the thing. But it has a, literally a cord attached to it with a battery that you, you sit in your pocket right? Um, that's tethered to it. They're going to have to fix that, I think. I don't think that's um, probably their ideal. Well, 
what my take was when I saw the demo, it was the first time ever legitimately I was interested in getting anything VR AR. Yes, right. that's true. Google Glass, yeah. um, you know, Remember as Remember when pioneer. Google Glass came out? Yeah, it looked so nerdy. We had somebody in a church that would wear it all the time, and it yes. was creepy. It was so weird. Oh, I think he was trying to be a forerunner with it. I oh, think totally. Was, it was not, he was like, this is going to happen. It didn't happen. Uh, and then, you know, we've had, we had uh, some of the inventors of Oculus in our church, too, and we, we knew about the Oculus pretty early on. Still, no desire. Even though, like, these people go to our church. Like, literally, legitimately, genuinely, not a desire to buy one. Right. Um... This is the first time I'm like, no, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what was the element of this that made you go, oh, I, I'm, I might adopt this? Okay, so uh, probably a few things. Number one, I, I do own uh, some other luxury tech items like the Air Max yep. Pros, which a lot of people also kind of scrutinize sometimes. Whenever I'm on Zoom meetings, you'll have the random person tell me, oh, you, you have Air Max Pros. You know, it's like, well, it's well I use it literally every day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is a higher price point than other headphones, but I literally use it every day. And the Air Max Pro quality. Right. It is just... So good. It's butter. It is butter. And, you know, if you've ever used it or if you use it, you'll understand what I'm saying. I I saw, even just visually, that they're using the same components. And it just, like, that brand quality that I've experienced with one of their other products, I've extended into visualizing what it's going to be for the Vision Pro. So that was one. Uh, two, the eyesight technology, I thought was a pain point that most people probably have thought about. Mm. Yeah. But Apple just solved. You're talking about like right? when it goes so transparent. When, when, yeah, when it goes transparent mm-hmm. when I come up to you. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Like that yeah. I can see your eyes. And then number three, I think it just looks cool. Yeah. I think honestly, um, the Google Glass was the worst. But even Oculus kind of looks dorky still. Mm. Mm. Right. I don't know. Apple just made it look yeah. <laughs> super cool. Yeah, I think there is a uh, – there's probably – Apple have solved this safety feature, right, where if you're wearing a, a headset that you can't see out of, you're fully immersed in it, well, then you're vulnerable as well. So you're not really going to wear that in a public place. Right. Uh, you have to pick your setting. But the fact that it can go transparent, you can see, you know, people approaching you, all those kinds of things, it actually made it usable. Mm. Well, I think it's their marketing and their demos – that showed it's a lifestyle thing. Right. Because when I think of Oculus, I only think of gaming. There's no use case for me to get an Oculus to use in my life beyond like right. experiencing VR in another level, right? But, oh, I've got no interest. Right. I've so, got no interest in avatar arms moving right, around. I exactly. I don't want to pour water into a cup, yeah. a fake cup, and have a fake <laughs> drink of water. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. But can I just twist my fingers and adjust volume? Can my eyes literally pick that, that was crazy. Like, yeah. come on eyes now. picking out. That was weird. That is cool. I do. Okay, I, I, I have to works, say I'm slightly, I'm slightly on this the... This is like Iron Man level stuff. I'm slightly on the fence because of some of the... What is it called? Is it Black Mirror? Do you guys know the show? Yeah, it feels like a Black Mirror episode. Are you with me, Arun? <laughs> to look at somebody. Can, can I just ask a, a yeah. question, Elephant in the Room? Yeah. What's Arun doing here? He's Arun, is <laughs> oh, he a new producer? Is yes. this what's going on? Arun's here to help us with content. All right. Yeah. All he's, right. a, he's actually, should, we should introduce him, huh? Well, he doesn't have a microphone. but Arun, could, you want to get on mic? Uh, yeah, come on, Arun. Let's welcome in Arun real quick. Just say a quick hello to the people. Let them hear your voice. Hello to the people. My name is Arun, and I'm uh, joining the podcast team. Look Pretty excited. At, let's go. Look at this yeah. guy. Look at this guy. So I like because Katrina keeps looking over to, to Arun. <laughs> is there a fact checker? We he will have, be. Have we gotten complaints? I that feel like if I look at him, he will inaccurate? check facts for us. Yeah. Um, well, I got a question. So what's interesting about Apple, the most valuable company in the world? 
is that it's currently, and for the past decade, has not been founder-led. Okay. So good pause. Okay. I love that pause. What Did do you we, hear the length of that pause? That yeah. <laughs> what do we think about that? Like, how can the most valuable company in the world not be founder-led? Must have been like such a deep-seated culture that Steve Jobs just left as a residue. No doubt. For a decade after his passing, they actually are like even like 10x more valuable than right. they were when he was around. Well, yeah. here's, here's the question. Um, when it comes to people like uh, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, is it a success story of Apple and Amazon or a success story of Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos? Mm. What, what's the success story? Is it a person or huh. is it a company? Why I'm challenged by it is because my thesis is that the best companies are founder-led. Correct. So what we've got is we've got founder scaling mm-hmm. or founder iterations mm-hmm. that Apple has been able to draw. Because Vision Pro is pretty much, if I'm correct, the first Tim Cook yeah. at the helm new product, right? Like new significant Right, and everything's more of an iteration of correct. what's previously yeah, come from. Yeah, it's a new version the of the Jobs iPhone. Like, right. You know. So what we've had since is like a scaling of their products, their design mm-hmm. that keeps just growing. Right. Right. Um, and so obviously you take that founder out, they've been able to, you know, successfully carry it to a very profitable. So they've, so it's almost Apple's this beautiful display then of a founder led company that has creativity, design, vision, all these elements, but so successful that now Mm. someone like Tim Cook can come in and just bring brilliant business, marketing, maximize spend dollars, uh, music, all that kind of stuff and actually make it super profitable without the need of necessarily bringing something brand new into the market. Does that um, inform your leadership at all, Pastor Adam? Because I don't know if a lot of leaders even think about uh, longevity, succession. Mm, Good um, question. Generational, right? We see even in the church space so many times Mm. the personality, you know, um, transitions and then the organization goes with it. I I wonder if you connect the dots, what you were sharing with the staff this morning about pioneering and it being about culture. That's where my mind goes to as you're asking that question. Yeah, I mean, that's what pioneering is. I think we've got to look at what is a founder, what is a pioneer? Because that's essentially, they're almost simultaneous, right? A a, a founder is hopefully uh, pioneering a brand new path in a brand new space. And uh, yet sometimes I think we can put uh, an unhealthy expectation on a founder to be the only visionary, right? to be the only one that's going to have products. Really a successful founder is nothing without a high-quality team with them. There you go. And so bringing people along the journey who can fill gaps, and what, what I would say the founder is or the pioneer, they're the one who take most of the hits. Right. They're the one out front kind of taking the, the slack, the flack, all the things, taking the hits, but keeping the headway going, keeping the gas down, saying, hey, we're going to keep pushing through. We're not going to get distracted here. This is the direction. Yep. And creating a slipstream for people to develop, design, create in the background of their wake. Right. And so I think, you know, obviously the more creative and the more focused the founder, that's probably beneficial. But I think it's about talent acquisition. All the way along. I think when a founder can actually acquire high-level talent, pull them into the mission, pull them along the journey, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is creating an unstoppable force. Yeah. So what I think we've got with people like Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos, obviously they're they're brilliant. They are, were, and are uh, brilliant people. But I think if you dial in a little bit, 
their ability to acquire talent and key playmakers along the way. Elon Musk. Elon Musk, right, and be able to – it just maximizes their potential. So I think, you know, you've you got to be prepared to uh, push a cultural pathway forward. That's what a pioneer does. We're establishing culture. You're assessing a culture and going, what do I need to tweak in the atmosphere that will first almost set an environment, right, yep. in, in the – it's like incubate an environment where you're creating with your team mm-hmm. and then how do we bring that culture into the market? What do you think a talent is mainly attracted to? Why are these personalities, they just like are a vacuum yeah. to the most talented people on the planet? I think there would be uh, I mean, some of the big ones element would be uh, charisma. Mm. I definitely think mission. Yeah. You know, what's the mission behind this? Because, I mean, compensation is certainly a factor. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, people aren't going to do it for free. That's one of my... I, lo- I think it's always funny that being in the Silicon Valley when you go to you know a tech place. I remember we went to Airbnb one time, mm-hmm. and uh, the person touring us around Airbnb was like, you know, most people are here because of the mission. I'm like, no, they ain't. They're here because of the compensation. But mm-hmm. the mission is a feel good factor <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, but it, it could be a differentiating factor when I've got two compensation opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the mission of this one better. Uh, so mission is is important, but I think can I see if you are a top tier talent. Mm-hmm. And you are going to a startup or you're going to work for a founder, you're almost assessing that founder like an investor is. Totally. Because you're like, is this founder going to take us all the way? Yes. Yes. An investor is going, is this founder going to take us all the way? So I don't want to kind of buckle my belt or, you know, tether my ship to somebody who I think Mm -hmm. isn't got the goods to take it all the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think charisma is a big one. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, that can be negative as well. Oh, Mm -hmm. totally. Totally. We see it with WeWork. We see it with all kinds of things mm-hmm. where very charismatic leaders have been able to sell people on the mission only to fail mm-hmm. them because it was self-centric or narcissistic or whatever. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do really resonate with people assessing joining a company, joining a team, joining a mission based on that main leader, yeah. that founder, the whoever's at the helm's sure. ability to knock down walls to be able to navigate complex situations. I do think they people entrust that person a lot. Yeah. Um, more so than, you know, doing market analysis and all that type of stuff. They're like, oh, wh- wherever this person's going, mm. I know they're going somewhere. You know what? <laughs> and I'm following them. I agree yeah. with you. But I also, also want to bust a myth that I don't think the founder has to be the most talented or gifted person. Nope. I think that there is a unique role. Mm. You know, everyone likes the idea of being a visionary. Mm. Um I would say, please get rid of that thought that I have to be a visionary. A visionary is a burden. It's not a blessing. To be a visionary, there is like something that you have to carry to completion. What could be, uh, and I think most visionaries desire the ability to go, oh man, I'd just love to, you know, tell me what I can build and I'll go build it. Right. So it's not always a blessing. It can be a burden. But I think, you know, my old adage is, uh, you know, uh, people always say, be okay with not being the smartest person in the room. What's better is if you design it so you're not the smartest person in the room. Yes. That you've got so much talent, you know, built around you mm. that you're literally at the lowest level of the totem pole on the intelligence factor. Mm-hmm. But how smart are you that mm-hmm. you gathered people around you? Therefore, your ego isn't on the table. You are humble enough to go, man, there are very gifted, talented people around this, mm-hmm. but I know my role. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of situations like that and why the leader is a leader even though they're not the most talented is because oftentimes they're the most create courageous 
Sure. Mm. Right. At the end of the day, they might not be the most talented, but they're willing to make a decision. Right. right? They're willing to say the buck stops here. Mm -hmm. They're willing to say I'm the leader. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And a lot of times a really talented person wants to submit to that because they have a lot to offer, but they're not indexing enough on that courageous spectrum. Mm -hmm. the, The willingness to, you know, deal with risk, Mm -hmm. the willingness to deal with uncertainty. And that's okay because they were meant to partner with that person that is. Mm. Okay. So you asked that question, like, am I, what am I thinking about when uh, thinking about next generation Mm -hmm. or, you know, who's taking over this? Because I think that the trap is who's going to replace me. Mm. Right. So, you know, when you think about who's, whether it's a business or a church, a company, whatever it is, if you're looking who's going to replace you, you're trying to find you in somebody else. Mm. But, but maybe the next generation isn't the same as the previous setting. Brilliant. Maybe there is a, a team. Maybe there is some, some uh, you, you raise up a whole level of team that take elements of it and work together. And you're not looking for someone new, but you're looking at what the next generation needs. Right. I mean, you know, you, we take the Apple example. Tim Cook is definitely not Steve Jobs. Nope. <laughs> right. But Tim yeah. Cook was the right successor. Yes. For the next mm. leg of the no Apple doubt. journey. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I mean, no doubt now. I think when everyone, right at the beginning, it was almost, I remember when Tim Cook, Tim Cook was named that this is the guy, it was almost like, for how long? Exactly. Mm. People thought it was the, the end of innovation exactly. for Apple. How have the both of you been able to identify, as you're building, identify the right talent that, you know, um, to get on the vision, the mission, whatever you're building in the early days or even now? How have you been able to do that? Is you know, it with charisma? Is it with the mission? I think it's obviously there, there is a there is a few factors you want to look at uh, in in different settings, right? Because it depends what you value. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. What do you value? Are you yes. valuing character over competency, or are you valuing competency over character? Hmm. Uh, I think each business and each church is probably, or each founder is looking for different characteristics based on their ability. I remember uh, my pastor; one of his biggest attributes was loyalty. Yeah. Hmm. He always. His, his thing was like, are you going to be loyal? Are you going to be loyal? <laughs> and man, it was almost got to the point where it's like, why are we still asking that question? Wow. So for me, uh, chemistry trumps loyalty. Because mm-hmm. if you've got chemistry, you don't need to keep asking if you're going to be loyal. Right. Because we just love doing this. Yep, yep. And, and, and we like each other. Um, I'm also looking for deep character and I am looking for competency. I want the best in the business. I want the best people working for the church. I love that. I mean, awesome. on, on our side, we've made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> right. We've just made a lot of mistakes. Um, and it's it's not on their end. It's it's on my end's ability to assess, right? And so I've learned a lot in the mistakes that we've made. I, I would say that where I've made mistakes is when I try to copy and paste somebody else's experience. Hmm. And so, you know, sometimes you can seek mentorship guidance and advice and forget to contextualize it for your company and your values and what you're specifically trying to build. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're building a software company. And so there's so many articles, there's so many advice around how to build a software as a service company and the type of go-to-market strategy you need and the type of salespeople that you need, you know, and all that type of stuff. And it might've worked for other companies, but for contextually what we're aiming to build Mm. It is so different that every time I've tried to copy and paste another person's playbook yep. and it's not been authentic to us, yep. I've made a mistake. And so that's been like a really great learning 
for us. Uh, outside of that, I would definitely second character. That That's a challenging one, though. How do you evaluate character in a short amount of time? If you're scaling yeah. fast, you're growing fast, you need to fill a position. How do you do that in days, weeks? I think it depends on what stage your company is. Mm. I think in, in early, early startup stage, you're so scrappy that mm. you're almost getting, let's get people on the team and let's assess them as we go. Because you don't have time to put them through an assessment period because you're literally crunching exactly. hours, not just days or weeks. Every hour matters in a right. startup, you know, when, especially when you've got deadlines and short runways and all those kinds of things. So you're almost like, hey, I just – I like you. Let's get on the team and let's <laughs> assess it as we go and correct the culture. Yeah. Um, I think a luxury is once you're a bit more stable yeah. as a company, you can actually take time to assess, you know, uh, probably – I guess, past resumes or references and all those kinds of things and, you know, do some conversational things. So I think it's a luxury to be able yeah. to take time to assess character it's and practical. culture. Sometimes you've got to get them in the mix and be willing to fix them as they go. We do this in pastoring, right? Uh, I, I say this all the time. In the uh, When Vive Church first started, it was like new guest to team. That was the one step. <laughs> It'd be like, if you're a new guest and we like you, next week you want to join team. <laughs> now it's way harder to join team mm-hmm. because we, we've put in some membership levels because now we, in the early days, it was like we just need people. So let's just get on and we'll fix you as we go. Right. Uh, we'll address stuff as we're going. And that almost was the platform to address things. Now, because there is so much more at stake, we want to make sure we take our time, that we've got the right culture, that you know the values, the vision, the direction of the church. And once we find almost like a team fit, then we're like, all right, let's come on the journey. Let's do some school of leadership. Let's do some training. It's so much more difficult to get on team now than it was when we first started. Yep. Now, when I say difficult, I'm not saying it's hurdles, but there is a bigger process now. Yeah. Yeah. More to lose. There is a couple frameworks I think could be helpful, uh, one-way doors and two-way doors. So there are certain decisions that you can make quicker if it's reversible. <laughs> right? right? Lower right. stakes. Uh. Right? Maybe it's a position that is a lower-level position. And you just need to fill a gap really quickly. You know, no harm, no foul if it doesn't work out. What's probably more of a one-way door that's more irreversible is if you're hiring an executive level position. (laughs) You know, that comes with more compensation, more responsibility, and a lot more pain if it doesn't work out. And then also, I did talk to an executive recruiter recently, and he was telling me that what success is in recruiting, like a successful recruiter, is like 60%. Really? Right. And then a really bad one is 40%. Yeah. And so you're not going to nail it every time. Right. So you're not, you're not trying to nail perfection, but you are trying to stay true to your culture. And so sometimes it does mean, okay, getting people in the mix, shaping them as we go. Yep. But as stakes get higher, Mm -hmm. either whether it's position or size of org, you got to be more intentional. Um, especially if it's that one way door type of decision. Has it been for you, um, with overflow different since it's not building specifically within the church. Oh, very different. With trying to yeah. figure out character and culture. Very different. Yeah. yeah. It, it's been honestly nearly a three year journey now of trying to figure out the, the right mix because yeah. we're not building a church. We're building a for-profit company, um, mm. a software company, a tech company that's aiming to be a billion dollar outcome for all yeah. of our shareholders. And so it's a very different mentality. Um, I would say there's a lot of transferable principles mm. that I probably underestimated uh, yeah. going into it. Mm. Um, specifically, 
what overflow is shaped to be is one of our primary categories is the faith space. And so I used to be a little bit hesitant um, and even I would say apologetic about, you know, how much we try to focus on faith-based people. Um, now I'm pretty unapologetic yeah. about it because it's our customer set, mm. right? And and um, I know that's mm. not nice and tidy for every tech startup person that might be listening to this, but for my specific business, for our specific business, that is the case. And so because that is my customer set and because that's naturally my values, we're pretty unapologetic about it now and it's worked really well for us as we figure that out. Yeah. And so uniquely, I think we do have a lot of principles that's carried over from what I've learned from building the church. I would say overall, um, you know, with building a company, you go so quickly to compensation as the main driver. Right. <clears throat> I think building the church, you're a lot more disciplined with being a really great leader <laughs> huh. and finding yeah. other levers of motivation, other level levers of attaching people to purpose yeah. and calling. And so going back to the roots there has also worked really well for us yeah. every time we've done that and not quickly to, okay, just compensation as the driver. Yeah. Pastor Adam, how about from the things that you've entrepreneured, things that you've launched out as you've found partners for those? How do you assess that? I mean, I think assessment happens at every level, right? Like, I mean, we're talking before about even uh, through Vest, you know, founders yeah. that, we're, that we're really quickly trying to assess. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that you can't assess real quick because when a founder is in a fundraising stage, they've got a very limited time to secure mm-hmm. funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An investor also has very limited time to make an assessment, to make an offer. And uh, so you're looking at core competencies, you're looking at uh, char- character, history, have they built products before, <clears throat> how successful were they, uh, all those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, at, l- at the end of the day, I think for me, the scariest element is not their competency, but is their character good? Yes. Mm. Are they going to burn out? Are they going to just fizzle out? Or are they going to do something illegal or, or wrong, you know? And so that's when the investment is really shaky. So I spend more time trying to assess that than anything. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I want, I want you know, to build on that bedrock of good character that, um, you know, is not going to do something wrong, illegal or, or, or bad. So I think that that's, that's big for me. Um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, though, you always don't have the luxury. Sometimes you got to take what you got. Yeah. Yeah. If you're building a company. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, who's going to work with me? Well, sure. Well, the future belongs to the people that move fast. Yes. Mm. Right? And so, again, if your goal is perfection, you're going to lose out. You're going to miss out. Yeah. You're not going to seize the day. You're not going to play um, where the ball lies on the field right now. Yeah. Right? And so you're not going to get that right every time. What you do have to do, though, is you got to get it more right than you get wrong. <laughs> but that's not 100% perfect. That's sure. right. And I think I put a lot more weight in my ability to set a culture in a company than even the people that I hire. Can mm, I can I model good. integrity and create a culture where everyone realizes, man, we, we're integrous here. Yeah. Good. When, you know, because uh, if I'm not living that, yeah. then I can't expect that. Yeah. So even disciplines of like, hey, I'm going to be the first one in office. I'm mm-hmm. going to be the last one here. I'm going to make sure I model hard work ethic. All these things. I've just realized the leaders you want to see is the leader you have to be. Whew. So so yeah. there is no way to replace that uh, in just expecting somebody else is going to bring that culture into the company. Yeah. But I do believe that people can become their best in the right culture as well. Yeah. 
they may have been in a toxic work environment. So they kind of, you know, amalgamated into that kind of culture. Mm. But bring them into a bigger pond or a better pond with fresh water, just maybe they become a better fish. Yeah. That's a good measure of culture, huh? When you have a new hire and can they influence things more than you influence them? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's a good one. Yeah. What about from, you have, with it, having 11 campuses, do you find, because um, you're saying you be the leader that you want to be. Mm-hmm. So with them being all very different and having different motivators, incentives, I mean, I'm, with SMI, I think it's really such a thing sure. that you've pioneered. Did you have to assess the differences between those leaders? Because they're not all like you. And I think oh, about all the course. campus pastors, you know. They're very different. So <laughs> how did you come up with the way you work with them? That's a good question. Look, I think what we have, and, you know, when you've got 11 locations, you have got 11 very different personalities. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And a big part of what we're doing is we are, in many ways, trying to develop what is the most successful model for reaching the world for Jesus. Yeah. And uh, what I've got is I've got the privilege of looking at a bunch of different locations, different personalities, all with the same resources, all with the same focus, attention, pastoring, care, leadership, but how it's worked out individually uh, gives me an idea of, of what are the elements that make a successful campus pastor, yeah. what makes a successful church plant. Uh, and there are things that I can give that can help that success, but then there are some things that I can't do that's on them, mm-hmm. you know, with work ethic, grit, all those kinds of things are, <clears throat> are actually things I can't produce. They need to carry. So what I'm able to do now after watching this is seeing, knowing what, do they need to have that I can't put in them? Like I can't put passion in somebody. Sure, yeah. I can't do it. I can inspire them, mm-hmm. but they have to be passionate about building the church. Yeah. Good. They have to be passionate every day to say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to hustle. I'm going to meet people. I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to win people to Jesus on the street if I have to. Yep. At the end of the day, if I'm convincing them, I, this is the way I put it. My leadership, I would rather, you know, think of horse racing, right? you can either whip the horse or hold the horse back by pulling the reins. Mm-hmm. I'd rather pull reins back because they're doing too much or mm-hmm. they're getting a little mm-hmm. bit out there rather than have to crack the whip mm-hmm. to get them motivated. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for those who are going to pull the cart. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Did you, do you find it, what are the differences when you are working with the founders, you know, versus these campus pastors? It's some. Actually, a lot similar. I think it's really similar, similar actually. Yeah. I was actually yeah. just thinking about it. You know, our campus pastor model is almost like a portfolio. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a venture portfolio that we're putting together as well. Um, that's a really interesting uh, correlation to it. And I do think there is a lot of value in the diversity of that, diversity of region, diversity of personality. Sure, yeah. Um, because I do think that does create a greater whole. And you find some insights that, you know, are surprising sometimes that you can bring those successes that may be unexpected as synergies across the board. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's what's powerful about a portfolio is you're not putting all eggs in one basket. Mm. Right. That is just a smart investment. Yeah. (laughs) And and I'll tell you, like I've had a in the last 10 years of planning Vive Church, I have had a dynamic shift in what I would have said was a fundamental belief. My fundamental Mm. belief before starting this church is we grow everybody Mm in-house. 
that anybody we lead, put in leadership, anybody that we send out to start a church has to come from vive birthed DNA. Mm-hmm. Now I have probably done a 180 on that and I believe wholeheartedly in talent acquisition. Come on. Mm. That there are extremely talented, gifted leaders that yeah. have just not had someone believe in them sure, or see the yeah. potential in them and that literally can fit into the environment that we've created and become just as vive. You know, we talk vive, uh, yeah. how vive are they? The vive DNA culture, all that kind of stuff. That can be adapted into their life. Yeah. This is called our Bernard Arnault I was going to say, great segue. That's, that is that is a strategy. Catch a, Okay, you got to catch me up on LVMH, story. Uh, Bernard Arnault, he is <coughs> the uh, CEO and owner of this company. Recently, before Elon surpassed him again, he yeah. was the richest man. Right. For a hot world minute. for, for a, a hot minute. minute, but he's not a tech founder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, he owns luxury brands. He didn't yeah. start these luxury brands. Yeah, right. He acquired talent. He acquired right. brands. He acquired. I think he, it started with Dior, right? Uh, I th- yes, I think it started with Dior. Um, obviously, he he acquired Louis Vuitton because his claim to fame is he turned what sixteen million dollars. Into two hundred and five billion dollars. Oh yeah, multi, multi, Uh-oh. multi. Sixteen million dollars. Sixteen million dollars. Into, I believe that's what he he his portion of the purchase of Dior was. Okay, he wow. Initially, yeah. he partnered with I think some banks, but he yeah. all he had was sixteen million in, and now he owns Louis Vuitton, uh, Tiffany's, Moet, Moet, yeah. Uh, what's Hennessy? Hennessy. It is Moet, all these things. Yeah. It is phenomenal, yeah. and he didn't create these brands. He didn't. He didn't even have the initial talent, right? Right. He saw. He was like a scout. Underestimated yeah. talent that didn't have belief yet. You know what? I really like. Wow, him. these are all the brands. I don't know why I really like him, but he's amazing. He's a family guy. He is. So all his kids right now are, are running in, all the different branches, yeah. running That's different right. different companies. This is what's really cool. It's so cool. Is they all run CEOs of different parts. Yep. And and the biggest conversation is who is going to be the successor out of the kids. Yeah, oh, it's cool it's because like he, succession. It's like that. a real life succession. I love it. It's so I awesome. know the show's over. I was so sad. So mad. Um Kendall, man, that guy. It, it ended. Okay. I, I don't want to I know I don't want to derail it, but I think it ended perfectly. I hated the ending. <laughs> um I wanted resolve. But I will say that luxury, he says, needs legacy. And so they're tastemakers. Yeah. They're tastemakers. He was able to spot these brands, yeah. buy them at, you know, sub, sub million dollars, hmm. right? And build them into billion dollar brands because he knew how to storytell. He knew how to market. Huh. He knew how to bring operational efficiencies and synergies yes. across the brands. Yes. What a brilliant business builder, this guy. Yeah. And he's French. So I don't know why I just said that, but regardless. Despite being French, he's still. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, honestly, what I thought was awesome, I think his youngest son is like 26. Wow. And he's the CEO of Tag Heuer. My goodness. At like 26. So, but he hasn't given his kids a free pass. No. They've all been very successful in their own right. They've gone to top tier colleges. They've actually put the work in. So it's not like nepotism where he's just allowed them to just get a free pass uh, trust fund kids, you know, he's actually produced, uh, I think, great business people in his daughters and his sons. And uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of debate out there about who will succeed. Yeah, we're in an era right now 
it's already happening. You're going to see this happen more and more of consolidation. Yeah. Lots of companies are running out of money because capital is scarce. True. And so somebody told me recently, it's kind of like if you had three lemonade stands on the same street. If all three lemonade stands stay in business, they all go out of business. But if all three lemonade stand owners come together and create one lemonade stand, they now have a monopoly. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right. And so it, it is, we saw it play out with Bernard Arnault and mm. the luxury brands he brought together to create this empire. Um, but we are seeing it across tech sectors. We are seeing it across industries. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I do think it kind of comes back full circle to what we were talking about. It comes to that visionary, but, but that person that everybody wants to follow, mm-hmm. right? That person that's like, hey, you know, we're all kind of doing our own thing unsuccessfully. But if we actually just bring it to alignment, right? to this leadership, if we bring into alignment to this vision together, we can do something so great. Yeah, I think it's it's a beautiful uh That's taboo story. in church though. It's very taboo in church. It's very <laughs> look, I can't believe you went on a limb and you said that on on record. Yeah, I mean I've said it on record because I think what we have seen is sometimes uh limited leadership, right? Where a lot of people will the only option for them is to go and start their own church. If they've got talent, so gifting, true. but it doesn't necessarily mean it's their calling. Mm-hmm. They they may be, you know what I'm talking about, they may not be that pioneer, but as a talented person on a team, could have way more success than trying to grind it out, get funding, get something off the ground, get it from zero to one, which is not their skill set. Maybe they're a, you know, a 10 to 20, yep. you know, maybe they're that next higher level phase is their fit, but now they're stuck in the only pathway being, I got to start something from scratch. Then, then we miss an opportunity to maximize somebody's calling and potential. Mm. I, I remember a church planning network we were talking to several years ago, and they were saying they exclusively fund new church plants. I remember us talking to oh, them, so and mad. you were like, "You were like, wait, why would you want to deploy funds against something that is so unproven?" Yes, we have vision for ten more campuses. Yes, oh, it's a proven wow. model. Yeah, why wouldn't you? That's a better return huh. on investment. But, but. What is really attractive in the church world for some reason is like, let's just give money away to somebody who's <laughs> never done anything before. Yeah. Yes, yes. Just because they put their hand up and say, I want to start a church. Terrible idea. It's so terrible because the success rate of that is very small. Yeah. What if we go to successful proven churches who have a church planning track record yeah. and go, how can we come alongside that Yes. and fund that and pool resources because we're actually looking to get return? We just don't want to see money be lit on fire. That's all we're saying. <laughs> all we're saying. <laughs> Simple. Let's put it to work. Oh my goodness. Do you think there's a lot of people... So I guess what I'm understanding, because I'm thinking back to a conversation that we had with somebody back in New York when we were traveling. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know? And I, it makes me think about how many people are pioneers, but don't have a big enough mission to build, or maybe don't have a leader to follow. Um, where do you put those people? Like whether they're future pastors, campus pastors, business owners, like how do you bring them in, attract them in, you know? I mean, that's, that's a good question. I think, um, you have to be responsible for your lane, right? I think you have to create an environment. If there's two sides, right? Whether you're a pastor founder, I mean, you want to create a culture that is attractive to people. Yeah. yeah. That people are looking at and going, man, I love what they've got going on. Yeah. I love the success. I love the culture. And you can create that. Yep. At the same time, if you're a talented person, you have to be really uh, convicted that where I am is where God wants me. Mm. Okay? Correct. And so 
that's probably the biggest battle, right? Yeah. Is is a lot of leaders have demanded loyalty and there is this big taboo, I think, sometimes about, you know, going, hey, I've done my, my time here. I feel like I need to step under that leadership. Yeah. Uh, I need to, you know, reposition myself. Mm. It's almost like a, a – and it's, it's not a good thing. Totally. I've seen as. Right. But – I think a good leader will recognize that as well to say, hey, I've got to release you. Yeah. I could either, I, I've either got to invest in you yeah. to create a space for you to thrive. I've got to invest in you to go and start something or I've got to release you so that I don't cap you. Beautiful. Huh. I've, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with just understanding that because when you think about it in the corporate space or in the industry space, like you do go to where your opportunity is, right? You're going to look for the leader or that, like you said, you might partner up or, you know, invest your time into that startup leader because that's going to take, you're going to go all the way with that. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what that looks like in the church world, you know? What's so difficult to understand? I I don't know. I think I'm just trying to understand how that looks, you know? I think that as you're talking about it, it, I I just, I don't know. I just think we've fallen too long on the idea of you have to submit. You have to submit. You have to submit. Yeah. Which gives the pastor an excuse to not, grow or develop or expand the vision. Yeah. Mm. You can't just keep using wow. submit. Yeah. What it is is we're talking about the other other time that it's that control. Yeah. It's that control. That's true. Yeah. When leaders are trying to control people yep. by using spiritual ideas in the wrong context. Yeah. You is that think? more on the p- person though because they don't have like enough of a mission of their own that they understand or the conviction like you said? Are they not clear on their own conviction of what they're meant to do or – you know, because this touches on people always debating like their calling and their conviction, et cetera. Are they not clear on it? I don't know. I think we're getting into the semantics of individuals here. But I think yeah. on, a, on, a, on a larger scale, in my context, I can't really speak to anybody in any other context. Yeah. But what I can see is, um, I mean, a good indication for us, let's, um, let's take our San Jose Campus Pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pastors Chase and Rebecca. Yeah. Great. Very talented. Mm-hmm. We're growing a killer ministry. Uh, in a young adults youth ministry setting, in a different yep. setting, yeah. that season came to an end, and uh, we we recognized on them. They're actually just coming to our church. They're yeah. attending um, and had jobs out in the world. We saw the talent, we saw the conviction, we saw the gifting, yep. and uh, said, "Hey, let's let's make this a, a move." Yep. And had we not seen that, or had they not seen their season end? where they were, correct? then it wouldn't have been where they are now. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think they had to make the moves first. Yep. It couldn't be, I I mean, I'm not an advocate of going and stealing people. Yeah. No, please let me me go on record. All right, let's (laughs) rewind. Let me go on record. If you're mistaking me here, do not email me. (laughs) Email Arun. And... I am not saying go on a headhunting mission as a church pastor. Of course, That's not the goal. That's really old school no-no in the church world. That is called sheep stealing. Okay. But it's on the individual to say, you know what? I feel if they feel led by the Holy Spirit to to finish their assignment where they're at and position themselves in a movement or a church or under leadership that they feel they can grow and thrive, that's on them. And then – if that leader identifies them, then I think that's a powerful. I, I like what you said earlier, though, too, because what you can control as the leader is creating an environment and an atmosphere that yeah. is desirable and attractive, right? It's kind of like you put out a big bat signal to mm-hmm. all those like-minded people, yeah, and they will find themselves to you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't actually have to go on a headhunting journey necessarily. Yeah, um, you just have to be focused on 
that leverage point that you do have, which is I'm going to build the most attractive thing, uh, the most ambitious thing uh, that is within, within my talents in my wheelhouse. Yes, because yeah. that was the that was the the conflict back in the day. Right. right? This, let's go. Let's go old school Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hill, Hillsong at their prime. Hillsong yep. starts church planning all around the world locations. Right. It freaked out so many church <laughs> leaders yeah. mm-hmm. because church leaders literally were like, I hope Hillsong doesn't come <clears throat> to my city. Now, we can leave that comment alone, you know, but really what they were saying is like, oh, no, people yeah. are going to leave me, my church yes. to go to them. Instead of seeing it as an opportunity to get better yeah. and be just as good, if not better, they right. were just admitting that we're not as good as them. Right, yes. And so I true. just, my strategy is I pray that they don't come here. Right. No, no, you want Hillsong in your city. You want the best churches yeah. in your city because the whole tide should rise together. Sure, yeah. And it should force you, whether it's a church or a company, to be the best that you can be. It should yeah. clarify your calling. Correct. You yeah. you, you said okay. several years ago, early early on, um, because you saw a, a trend with how church was being built yep. in a season. And I remember you distinctly saying to our team, that, hey, everybody's going right. Yep. We're going to go left. Yes. Yeah. Intentionally, mm-hmm. we're going to go left. And it's because we're going to clarify the calling of not, our church. Not left politically. No, no, no. Not, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> when they zig, we zag. Just to clarify. <laughs> when everyone's going conservative, we're going liberal. That's not what we did. But no, what you're saying is right. Like, I mean, let's not... This is intentionally why for the last two years I have not listened to one preaching podcast Mm. because what I noticed amongst the preachers of our generation is everyone was sounding like Stephen Furtick. Right. Everyone was listening to so much because podcasts were so available. Right. Everyone was getting their style determined by who they were listening to Mm -hmm. and everyone was kind of becoming instead of a broad spectrum of communication and styles – it, it became narrower and everyone sent like they were saying the same cliches and the same thoughts and the yeah. same things. And I thought, I gotta stop that. I gotta make sure that I don't have that influence that I get from God, that I bring to our church what God speaks to me, so that it's very clear and very different from what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Dave Ramsey, okay, he is building this incredible empire, financial literacy, all that type of stuff. One thing I've noticed that he's been able to build such a deep culture because he doesn't only talk about what he's for. He also talks pretty adamantly on what he's against <laughs> or what wow. he what what he's huh. not for. Yes. Um, and it's so true. maybe against is strong, but like what he's not for. So yeah. whether you agree with him or not, everybody knows he's the no debt guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Whether you agree with it or not. And it's created such a distinction, which creates such an attraction mm. to a certain type of person. Yeah, right? for sure. So. Absolutely. So speaking of um, culture and pioneering, we've got a men conference coming up. Oh my gears. goodness. What is it? What are a few we? days away. We're like 14, 14, 14 days away. Well, when this airs, it's going to be a few days away. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me, a couple of weeks. I got to get my voice Yeah, what's fixed. wrong with you? I don't know. Oh my God, this has been like a month battle. Well, I mean, but you better get better because we've got a lot of panels. Amen conference. I mean, we've got hype track, hype house. You're yeah. doing a lot of speaking. Yeah, a lot of networking. Is, isn't hype track already pretty much sold out? Like, sold out. I don't think oh, we have enough. No, seats. I think we do have a few more. spots. We have a few more spots. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've doubled the number from last year with yep. hype sessions. We had like a couple hundred people at hype sessions um, last year at Amen conference, and a couple hundred, a little bit more, like two fifty in February. 
We're already over 400. I haven't looked actually since last night, but we were at like 410. I, I, I've been inspired yeah. how this hype network has just been growing. Yeah. It like, it is one of the like coolest things we've done recently. Yes. I That's feel cool. like, yeah. you know, people are stopping me on Sunday at church and the least likely, likely suspects that I think would be listening to this yeah. pod had stopped me actually this past Sunday. And they're like, the last one was the best one. Like, and telling me all these different quotes. Yes. And, you know, if you're listening to this, let us know. Yeah. Rate the pod so other people, your friends can discover it, share it. Absolutely. Because we want to know who we're talking to. And yeah. come and find us at yeah. Amen Conference. Please, please, in please. In the hype track, in the hype network, yes. in the hustle, the house. All of it. All the H's. It's going to be so good. <laughs> We've got so many panels. We've yeah. got, um, yeah, what do we got Disruptive Innovation with Matthew Potter from Pray.com. Oh, that's going to be so um, great. And with Jens Jacob, who just launched Saturation.io. Yeah. Come he's on. got, you know, go. another, he's got a film company that he also has founded and he runs, but he also just launched a, a fintech for production. Yes. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, that's going to be night one. And then we've got um, values and valuations. I'm excited about this panel. You're on it, Vance. And we've got Chihua from Goodwater. Yes. And um, Charles, is Charles, Charles Shannon. Yeah. yeah. From Founder Circle. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah. I think... I think to hear about your varying experiences in venture is going to be really great. And then we've got um, we've got a startup showcase on night three. Yeah, that's going to be that's fun. That's going to be really fun. I've got some things planned for that. But then in the house, we've got um, Faith at Work. Yep. Um, that's going to be a great conversation. We're, uh, we've already talked about some of the questions that we're going to have around what it looks like to navigate actually really being a Christian at work. Yep. And actually people knowing that you're a Christian yes. at work. So that's going to be fun. And what faith leaps they've made. Um, in their career. So we've got people from quite a few of the big named companies here. Um, really, I, I like to say in our backyard versus us in their backyard. In the Silicon you know? Valley. The Silicon Valley. And then we've got um, a bunch of roundups and we've got some hype pod recordings, which yes. will be great. We've got a live, live pod recording. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I don't know. I'm not even sure if I should come with a plan. I have quite a few questions already for you guys. And you know what? I don't, <laughs> I don't think we ever follow your plan. So you never follow you. my plan. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. But I've, some of something else that's really cool yeah. this year. It's our we actually built a new auditorium. Yes. For hype sessions. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because we maxed yes. out. So this is going to be the first use of our brand new auditorium. That's yeah. true. That yes. uh, Danielle's been busy getting set up for us. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah, look at her face. We I appreciate wish, I wish you. we could flip the camera. She rolls her shoulders <laughs> like she's been like, hard at work. She like she, <laughs> she's looking for a raise, Pastor Adam. She goes, "Yeah, I've been working overtime. Yeah, there you go. I need a massage. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. So if you're if you're coming to Mountain View for the first time, you're going to be in the brand new renovated room yes. that can fit um, close to double what we had last time. I think it's. It comfortably seats 400. Does it? But I think we could jam 500. <laughs> I don't know. Is that oh, true? so that's why you're saying we still have a little bit more room. We have a little that's bit more room. That's why I'm saying we have a little yeah. bit more room. Okay. And if you can't get break in. fire codes. Okay, I want to get see. people in the room. That's <laughs> yeah. what I want to do. Right? Yeah. I'm an inclusive guy. And if you can't get into the sessions at night, although you should line up early, there's also all the sessions in the tent. So in the Hype House. Yes. I was telling the team, we had a kickoff call um, a few days ago, and I was telling the team that as we've had conversations about what the network needs and why we're launching Hype Network, and we kept talking about space. Like, if there was just a space, you know, Hype Sessions creates a space for the intermix of faith and industry. And we, so we asked for permission to actually create a space in the parking yeah. lot. So we actually are going to have a Hype House where you can co-work. And I, I'm hoping some deal flow happens in this Wouldn't space. that be nice? Yeah, I really do. I hope that... Investors we set get up. Some founders funded. Get some founders in there. We do have a founders and CEOs roundup where people yep. are just going to come together. We're yep. going to 
basically identify who is in the network. We've yep. got creators in tech. We've got um, a bunch of folks coming together to do emerging technology roundup. I know um, Arun's going to be there, and um, this is why he's here. So, I mean, if you're if you're an investor, yeah. if you're in venture capital, yeah. if you're an angel investor, yes, you want to come along. Yes, you know, spinning off of a conversation that we had around pioneering tech railways, yes. off of that, you know, AI. Wild Wild West conversation, we have a panel exactly on that. That's right. So we're going to be talking about AI and um, Web3 and all of those things, everything emerging tech, and what these particular founders are building to create infrastructure um, for the future. So it's going to be really cool. I'm excited. i got to get my voice back so I can actually ask some questions. Please do. I've got some backup moderators just in case, but I'm so excited. So um, yeah, when this comes out, it'll just be a couple days away. So hopefully you already have purchased your ticket. Yep. Um, for Amen Conference and already got your spot in in the house and also in the sessions, but I'm I'm expecting to have like lines out the door. Can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna be really cool. Be and um, if you're listening to this post conference, we want your stories. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we want to hear. I, mean, I know that we've had some great success stories out of recent sessions, and so if you are a founder or a new founder even, and you decided to take your idea and actually pitch it, and you've got some partnerships or relationships or anything like that that have maybe come out of a men conference or these hype sessions. We want to hear from you. We want to hear. Yeah. So One more question. Can, yeah. When's the merch come out? Oh, oh is there a hype I merch? I can work on it. We need merch. I've, we had, need merch. I've had people well, what do you requesting want? merch. What would you wear? What would you use? A classic t-shirt. Okay. I'm guessing. It's summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hype network. Hat. Hat. I think we should come out with a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yes. Imagine. Let's do, <laughs> let's do a tinfoil hat. <laughs> Or at oh, least man. it just says tinfoil yeah, hat. Yeah, like a trucker hat. Yeah, but it says put your tinfoil hat, hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, my I'm God. Down. Oh, I'm down. Okay, I've never seen yeah. Danielle this excited. She's been wanting <laughs> us to stop talking, yes. and now she wants to keep going. The producer's <laughs> walking over to turn everything off, and then yeah, she yeah, got yeah. excited. And then she got excited about the tinfoil hat. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, this is a great episode. Thanks, guys. Episode 11, apparently. Oh, it's That really would be good, a tinfoil hat. Tinfoil hat. I like it. I like it a lot. Hey, Katrina here again. So if you made it to the end, thank you and congratulations. Um, This Hype Network podcast is brought to you by Vest Fund. And we recorded this episode at Overflow Studios in Mountain View, California. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a great rating and you can subscribe wherever you stream your audio content. If you want more information on the Hype Network, you want to get on our email list or you want to learn more about membership to the network, you can go to hypenetwork.org. 